Matthew's voice wasn't in the best shape when making this episode. Remember that when AI takes over everything, you'll never need to hear a less than perfect human voice again. Matthew Richmond, and this is All I Know, a curious podcast for curious people. In the last week, the world has lost two of the most iconic and singular performers of my lifetime. In both cases, the news was unexpected, and these largely forgotten artists were suddenly brought back into the mainstream consciousness. Sinead O'Connor and Paul Rubens weren't A-listers. They were far from universally loved. And except for a small Pee Wee Herman renaissance in the last few years, neither of them had gotten any significant public attention for decades. But they both had an enormous cultural impact during their moments in the spotlight, and they both had dedicated fans who stayed with them no matter what. I'm one of those diehard fans of Pee Wee and Paul Rubin's other work, but here I'm focusing on the character he's known for. And in the last few years, I've rediscovered Sinead and caught up with her life and her music. So remembering them now isn't just nostalgia for me, because they were both still part of my world. I never thought to put them together before, because who would? But losing them both unexpectedly at the same time has made me notice how, in some surprising ways, they were really two sides of the same coin. start with the most obvious contrast. Sinead O'Connor was incredibly serious, and Pee Wee Herman was incredibly silly. Of course, most performers and most fans are more in the middle of that spectrum, but these two, at least on the surface, are at the far, far ends of it. Now, some people think one end of that spectrum is where you find art with a capital A, and the other end is juvenile and dismissible. Some other people think one end is pretentious with a capital P, and the other end is where you find good fun. I think that great art can and does happen anywhere on that spectrum. And if we want to be successful humans, we need to experience the whole range. Because humans, after all, are generalists. In my opinion, that's our most important characteristic as a species. And just like our bodies need a variety of food, our brains and hearts need a variety of intellectual and emotional input. But in our culture, the serious always gets more respect than the silly. Sinead was generally seen as a true artist, even by those who hated her for other reasons, while Pee Wee was often dismissed as infantile and meaningless by those who didn't get it. But I think they were both superb artists, and it turns out that both of them in their very different ways, were telling us the same thing. They were telling us to question everything about the world that was handed to us. Mm -hmm. 
In the US, questioning the status quo has always been a dangerous habit, despite our revolutionary origins. In the 1980s and early 90s, the cultural pendulum was pretty far on the conservative side, and subversion of any type wasn't at all welcome by the general public. Sinead O'Connor pushed against those sensibilities from the beginning, with her shaved head and her otherworldly demeanor. But she sang like God herself, and no matter what you thought a woman should look like, you couldn't stop staring at her eyes in that video. She was quirky and confusing, and we didn't know what to make of her, but we were utterly captivated. When she ripped up a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live and said, fight the real enemy, the vast majority of the public didn't know about the sex abuse going on in the Catholic Church. So we didn't know what her point was. And even if we had, it wouldn't have changed how she was treated. In the environment of the time, she would have been hated for that protest, even if everybody knew she was right. As it was, people who were offended tended to accuse her of whatever motivation they thought of, anything from simple publicity seeking to being a willing tool of Satan. Madonna dismissed the whole thing with, I think there is a better way to present her ideas, which is one of the classic lines used by people in power against protesters. When Sinead's real reasons became known, very little changed. It took a decade or more and a whole lot of revelations about abuse in the church for the public to look back and think that maybe she actually had a good point. By then, there was no getting her career back, but by all accounts, she never enjoyed being a pop star anyway. She called herself a protest singer, and she never regretted giving up the superstardom she had seemed destined for by taking a stand the way she did. She never stopped questioning everything about the world that was handed to her. Paul Rubin's subversion was much more subtle, despite his performance style being so garish. The movie Pee-wee's Big Adventure left half the country giggling and quoting his catchphrases, and the other half just kind of scratching their heads. When Pee-wee's Playhouse came out, it was sometimes described as a Saturday morning acid trip for kids. But Pee-wee himself was so clean-cut and seemingly simple-minded that the show built around him could get away with an awful lot without setting off too many conservative alarms. Pee-wee wasn't dangerous, he was just weird. But of course, those people who saw him that way completely missed the point. If you were a kid in the 80s, especially if you were a boy in the 80s, Pee Wee Herman was everything your society was telling you not to be. He was what then would have been called a sissy, or more likely other words that I won't use, 
He was physically weak. He was sensitive. He cared deeply about his friends and his particular bizarre interests and didn't give a damn about anything else. He lived in a world of his own creation that was about as far from Reagan's manly America as it was possible to get. If the character had been presented as a regular adult male, or if this had been Paul Rubin's presentation as a real person, he would have been attacked much more severely. But Pee Wee was always in a gray area. He wasn't really an adult, but he wasn't a child either. He lived in some version of the real world, especially in his movies, but clearly not the same world we were in. He was male, but in a way that didn't fit anyone's ideas of maleness or femaleness, which were the only two options at the time. Where going a little farther in any direction might have earned him hatred, he managed to strike a perfect balance that made the people who didn't like him mostly just leave him alone in confusion. Pee-wee's Playhouse is incredibly hard to describe to someone who hasn't seen it, but the one element that always gets attention is that just about everything is alive. The chair, the window, the floor, the food in the fridge, although it conveniently turns into regular food at snack time. This seems like just a fun conceit, and honestly, that's probably all it was ever meant to be. As far as I know, Paul Rubens never talked about any deeper meaning behind anything having to do with Pee-wee. But I think this was actually the most subversive part of the show. The 80s in America were a time that in many ways glorified reckless consumerism and merciless pursuit of wealth. Pre-internet pop culture was much more monolithic than today, and the inescapable zeitgeist was all about, give me more, more, more. The 80s were often called the me decade, and sometimes summed up with the movie quote, greed is good. You were supposed to take whatever you could get your hands on, any way you could, and be proud of it. Of course, not everybody felt that way, but this was certainly the general vibe in the pop culture air. Case in point, during the 80s, Donald Trump became one of the most famous and popular people in the US, maybe the whole world, and his one and only claim to fame was being extremely rich. Now, if you're a kid living in that culture, you're likely to feel that selfish materialism is the natural way of things. You don't think it in those words because you probably don't think about it at all. It's just how things are. It's the water all the fish are swimming in. But what happens when those kids start loving this ridiculous TV show where all the objects are alive, where the main character, a person who looks like an adult but acts like a child, who speaks to you directly from the TV, who is all id with no inhibitions, when that character has a personal relationship with the chair he sits on, and the clock on the wall, and the kite flying over the playhouse, and even the floor. It's a lot harder to be selfish and materialistic when the material objects around you have names and voices and personalities. 
So, if Cherry is one of Pee-wee's best friends, maybe you start thinking about your real-world furniture a little differently. Maybe you want to take better care of it, make it last longer, hold on to it when it goes out of style. Maybe you start thinking about the objects around you as something real, something meaningful, rather than just tools for fulfilling your personal desires. Maybe you start to feel more connected to the world around you and less likely to abuse it. Maybe by making the world around him come alive, Pee-wee was secretly turning Reaganomics kids into Buddhists. Okay, am I reading way too much into this? Almost definitely. But I think the general point is a valid one. By showing us a different way to interact with the world around us, one that broke lots of our unspoken rules, Pee-wee Herman was teaching kids to question everything about the world that was handed to them. After their separate career-destroying incidents, the protest on Saturday Night Live, the arrest in the porn theater, they both went on quietly doing their thing whenever and wherever they could. Paul Rubens started acting again in the late 90s, and Pee-wee even re-emerged in recent years with a Netflix movie and a limited-run Broadway show. But there was nothing remotely like the attention he got in his heyday. Sinead sang live occasionally and made some gorgeous recordings that got almost no attention at all, apart from her diehard fans. And when it came to their final struggles, they stayed true to their styles. He kept his cancer secret for six years, only breaking the illusion with a note made public after his death. She spent many years laying her mental illness on the table for all to see. Sinead O'Connor and Paul Rubens both looked like weaklings on the surface. Physically small, soft-spoken, guarded. But weaklings can't do what they did. They became larger than life on stage and astonished audiences with performances that weren't like anybody else's. They did things their own way, no matter what people thought of them. They came at us with captivating oddball personas and before we knew it, they had gotten under our skin and changed us. One of them ripped our hearts open with vulnerability, delivered through sincerity and pain. The other one stealthily opened our minds with vulnerability, delivered through artifice and glee. I'm sure some people see these careers maybe even these lives, as failures, but they were anything but. On top of making truly great art, and yes, both pop music and silly children's comedy can count as great art, and on top of doing things their own way no matter what, they did something so few people of any sort ever achieve. They showed us how to question everything about the world that was handed to us.
Everything in this episode was made by me, Matthew Richmond. There were a lot of tangents I wanted to take this time that had to be cut out, so I'm putting them into the blog post for this episode. Go to allIKnowPodcast.com for links to some Sinead O'Connor performances, info about the stage show where Pee Wee got his start, some of Paul Rubin's non-Pee Wee work, and a few of my thoughts on uh, Barbenheimer, Boy George, and the directing style of Tim Burton. That's allIKnowPodcast.com. Today's random fact. The first person to ever get a speeding ticket was an Englishman named Walter Arnold on January 28th, 1896. He was doing eight miles per hour and the speed limit was two. The policeman had to chase him down on his bicycle. Until next time, I'm Matthew Richmond and that's all I know.